Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. The first 78 episodes of Fortune's Wheelhouse offer a card-by-card breakdown of occult correspondences and symbolism in the tarot, and if you're a new listener, you may want to start there. You may also be interested in our new book, Tarot Deciphered, Decoding Esoteric Symbolism in Modern Tarot, which just came out from Llewellyn. It's a card-by-card study of all 78 cards, and it looks at everything we cover in Fortune's Wheelhouse, the symbolism of the Rider-Waite-Smith and Thoth decks, the mythology, the astrology, the Kabbalah, and, of course, how the cards relate to one another. Tarot Deciphered is a doorstop at 672 pages, so you can also, you know, use it to keep your cards from blowing off the patio table, or you can maybe press some flowers in it, or you can bonk your non-believing friends on the head with it. Not judging. In other words, if you've always wished you could have Fortune's Wheelhouse in book form, well, now you can. This week's show is the first of two special divination episodes, which we do each time we come to the end of a set of regular episodes. Last week, on our Patreon site and at the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy Facebook page, we invited Fortune's Wheelhouse patrons to submit their questions for one-card readings. We got 28 questions, a new record, and we read them all. We hope that everyone who submitted a question will find the readings helpful, and we also hope all our listeners will enjoy seeing how we apply the content we talk about on this show when it comes to an actual reading. For this week's and next week's giveaway, we'll be offering our winners a copy of, needless to say, our brand new Tarot Deciphered book. As always, all Fortune's Wheelhouse patrons are automatically entered in the drawing. If you're not a patron and you would like to be, you can sign up at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. If you missed your chance to submit a question for a reading, don't worry. We will be doing readings episodes again in the future. There are also a couple of other ways you can obtain a reading. If you sign up at a patron tier of $5 or higher, you'll receive one written reading as one of your perks. And if you want to go whole hog, I also personally do a limited number of consultations each week on Zoom. You can investigate that further at www.tsusanchang.com slash readings. Our website, as I've mentioned, is www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. But there are also a couple of other places where you can check in with us online. You can visit Mel at tabulamundi.com and you can visit me at tsusanchang.com. You can also join over 850 smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends at the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook. Many of us, including myself, are there every day posting our daily draws and spells to go with them. It's a great place to see esoteric tarot in action in people's ordinary lives. And now, here's this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the One Card Patron Readings episode for March 2021. These are questions we've collected from our lovely Patreon subscribers and heroes of the astral realm who have submitted questions for us to answer with single card draws using the Tabula Mundi Caloris Arcus deck and using esoteric interpretation of the kind that we specialize in in this podcast. And Mel will get us started with the invocation to Hru, which is how we like to open up these readings episodes. Yeah, so usually while I'm doing this invocation, I hold the deck in my hands and try to feel the energy come through. In the divine name Iao, I invoke thee, thou great angel Hru, who art set over the operations of this secret wisdom. Lay thine hands invisibly on these consecrated cards of art, that thereby I may obtain true knowledge of hidden things to the glory of the ineffable name. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, so I guess what we usually do is we alternate. One of us, one of us reads the question, and the other one draws.、Uh, which would you like to do first? Ah,、uh, doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me either. Hey, I know what. Let's each draw a card and see if we can <laughs> get an opinion from the deck. Okay, who should go first? I got the the nine of wands. What'd you get? The hierophant. I think you should go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I will. I will. It's a Trump. Yeah. Oh, and I got the hierophant today. Actually, the hierophant and the hermit. So that kind of makes sense. Okay. So I will read the first question, and we use people's initials. So in order to know whether it's your question, listen for your initials and check against whatever you said. Yeah, because some initials are duplicated. So right, how it is, and some are single initials, and so on and so forth. So just look back to the question you sent us over Patreon. Okay. So the first question is from A D. How can I best support my son's needs in context of his somewhat strained relationship with his father? His father and I are not together. If that's relevant to the answer, lust. <laughs> wow. Well, that's interesting to start with. You know, it's interesting because it's a solar card. It's you know the card of Leo, and you know a、mm-hmm. lot of times. Astrologically, the father is represented by the son.、Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Just yes, yes, as an observation. I'm going to、uh, make an informed guess here that the person who is asking is the mother.、Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be, but I believe it is in this case. You know, and there is such a sense with the lust or strength card, but lust in your deck that you know that there's a strong protective feminine energy about it. No, definitely a mother energy. You know,、For、you think、sure. about the、um, the lion goddesses in general, Durga. You know, Grant. She's the great mother, and others as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's an all powerfulness in here that suggests that the person who's asking can, in a sense, fulfill both roles. You know, yeah, at least right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely a card that kind of combines the lunar and solar together. So she's she yeah she's kind of filling both roles in his life. There's also something about not taking things too heavily. You know, the sun is kind of the antidote、mm-hmm. to to Saturn. It's got a brightness to it, an enjoyment of life kind of quality. Well, lust for life, really. Yeah, definitely. In this case, especially. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, I think we can also think of the solar analemma symbol, which we see both on your card and traditionally on so many other strength cards. You know, the idea that you know, while the the querent may feel concerned or you know limited in some way, they're actually. Have so much more capacity, so much more capability, so much more infinite potential than they give themselves credit for. And the other thing that I was thinking is that I don't know. I think about the sun, the you know this this solar aspect of the lust card as having something to do with seeing and being seen. You know,、mm. the, the visibility of the, the the sun in his parents' eyes. Yeah, that's an important point because. If his relationship with his father is strained, it's it is important, especially for male children, but female children as well, to feel seen by their、mm-hmm. fathers. And so, if there's that strained relationship, she may have to be the one to do the seeing.、Uh, one other thing I was thinking is that it might also just be for now. You know, things may change over time, but there's something about the sort of sun's traveling through. Through its cycle, that suggests to me that it's really important that she fulfill this role now, but she may not have to do it forever. There's one more thing that I don't know if this is going to resonate or not, but there's something about the lust card or the strength card also about control of the lower impulses.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it might be important for her to exercise control, as in not bashing the father to the son <laughs> in、mm-hmm. any way. You know,、mm-hmm. rise above that. She may very well have anger towards the father for not having a good relationship with his child, and to、right. kind of curb the impulse to go there. Very much so. You know, remembering that lust on the tree of life or strength、uh, is the middle parallel horizontal path. 
with the Empress above and and the tower below, those energies are both there. Love and war. Yeah. Love and war. Yeah. Okay. Shall we move on to the next one? Sure. Okay. So this is a question from T. Will I emerge from this funk and start living my best life sooner than later? I see myself hemorrhaging my potential and the depressed side of me won't bat an eyelash while the side that knows better is screaming in horror. Mm. Now, I would like to kind of reword that question, not will I emerge, but how can I emerge or what can I do to emerge? Something a little more proactive we can assume that the card will kind of light the way for yeah. how this person can yes. get to the point that they wish to. Okay, here we go. Mm. This is the two of wands. Nice. Yeah. So, I think that's a sooner rather than later. I think so too. Um, I mean, also, spring's right around the spring's corner. Spring's right that's around the, the corner. The, mm-hmm. the, uh, vernal, the equinox vernal equinox. Card. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So we're actually recording this on March 7th, so we have just two weeks till the vernal equinox. At least here in the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know where this person's from. There still is a change of seasons just ahead that that card is on the hinge of. Yes, and that suggests that maybe one thing that might actually help is that sort of lengthening daylight, that sense that the night is no longer longer than the day uh, Mm. may be of some help to this person. But also just the sense of getting to start over. It it reminds me a little bit of when people struggle with, for example, addiction problems. You know, they get very discouraged if the first attempt to quit doesn't work. But you get to start over. (laughs) Each time is the first time. And and that's a good point because this card is the, you know, the first card in a sense of the zodiac a lot of times where it starts at zero degrees Aries. So it, it literally is where the cycle begins again. Right. It absolutely is. It's the zero point. And the fact that it's a small card, I think, you know, I, I like to think sometimes of minor cards as being very much within your control you get to it's not karmic it's yeah it's something you have agency over right you get to do this you get to start over again you get to say where the beginning and the end of your story is it's not up to some larger fate that you can't control you know so and i think that there's also with this first decan of the year mars and aries it's that sort of back-to-back mars thing with end of Pisces, beginning of Aries, which I sometimes feel like you get double the um, juice, <laughs> double yeah. the energy with this deck. And it's Mars it's coming from Mars is coming from Pisces. He has that last decan of Pisces where he is. He has no particular dignity in right. Pisces, but he's going into rulership. He has both the decan and the sign in the two of wands, which gives him not only the means, the individual means to accomplish something, but the power and the sovereignty to do so as well. That's a good way to put it. Because the fact that this is a two and a Mars card and an Aries card and a fire card, all of those things speak to me about will, deciding that you're going to do it and doing it taking charge. It's a very take charge kind of energy. It is. It's a funk blaster. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that that's really hopeful, both that you might find inside yourself sort of that ember of life, you know, kind of glowing again, and also getting kind of a boost from just the outside world. And I would look for that to start happening um, around that, you know, around the equinox. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Next one. Let's see. I will read the question. This one is from another initial T. And it is, what do I need to know? Good way to phrase the question. What do I need to know about dealing with my anxiety issues? The star. Oh, wow. Isn't that great? Yeah. Mm. There's always hope, right? There's always hope. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, with Aquarius, there's always that sense of getting to rewrite the rules. And I think anxiety so often has to do with an uncomfortable awareness of what the rules are, right? So to me, very often, some of the healing of the star has to do with being okay with doing things differently, 
defying whatever expectations you feel may have been placed upon you. Yeah, and maybe there's some sort of message too about the star for me, Aquarius, is sort of like a, a forward-looking, looking towards ideals, fo- mm-hmm. future-oriented. And so maybe in those moments when anxiety is present, it might be good to look towards the future instead and, you know, get out of your head a little, this is, you know, I'm anxious right now and go, but I won't be anxious always. And right. everything changes, everything shifts, and there's a future to look forward to and an ideal future to look forward to as well. And there's a way to get there. It's also interesting that Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. And right now, Saturn is in mm-hmm. Aquarius, but it's also co-present with Mercury and Jupiter, which is which is interesting. Oh, that's right. And I also always think of, you know, we always talk about the myth of Inanna or Astarte with the star card and this idea that, you know, she has to travel into the underworld to confront her sister Eresh Kigal, sequentially divesting herself of all of her raiment and all of her power until she stands naked in the underworld and is reborn after complications. <laughs> you know, but to me, that's always a message about how you alone, naked, without any of your apparent powers, abilities, projections, whatever it is that people ascribe to you, you're enough. Your authentic self, naked and bare as it is, is enough. And I think there's a real sense of hope in that, uh, in standing there naked and nevertheless still being the goddess. It reminds me of, you know, I think we talked about this before, but in Dante's Inferno, when he gets out of hell, the first thing he sees is the starry sky. Yeah. So so from those dark depths, that's what he emerges into is the beautiful starry night. Right. Beautiful card for that question. All right. Okay. The next question is for C.R., What do I need to prioritize as I transition jobs over the next six months? For example, as I select a new career path, what is most important for me to consider as I make that decision? Here we go. The world. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) These huge cards. Oh, my God. Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, the universe. I apologize. This is (laughs) the world is your oyster. (laughs) Yeah, the world is your oyster. Perhaps that's not too helpful. (laughs) Well, first of all, I think it's very self-referential in the sense that she is coming to the end of one career and beginning another. Right. Yeah, it's literally an ending and new beginning card. Yes. You know, just looking at the... Saturn correspondence for the world. I think there's something here about kind of growing her own career, being self-contained, being able to encapsulate and create this entire world within itself, not necessarily having to depend on the outside as much as she has. For example, I would see this as a much more self-driven job where they set the rules and where they decide the structures, the limits, and the rules within this sort of pocket universe. Yeah, they should have their own definite agency, sovereignty, but also it's a Saturn card and an Earth card. So there's definitely a a practical, hard work energy to it, you know, apply yourself, do what's practical, provide resources. It's not just about following your passion. It's also there's a practical mm-hmm. element to it. Yeah, this is a this is definitely a leave it all on the field card. You know, there's no sort of like half-assing this job. <laughs> yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah. So that also says to me that don't compromise as you're choosing the career. If the question is, what's the priority? It's choose something that you can devote all of yourself to, not just mm. doing it for the insurance or the paycheck or right, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Never take a job for insurance if you can help it. <laughs> Done that. Been there. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Never again. You know, make it your life's work, whatever it is. Next one. So this is M.M. Wasn't me. Not you, M.M. <laughs> Let's see. I um, know. I am currently in the process of transitioning into full-time self-employment. I have also lived in the same city for over 12 years, and I am considering buying a house. But as my employment slash financial situation is changing, I'm feeling uncertain. 
When will I know if or when it is time to buy a house? I've got the nine of discs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So that's a, that's a really good card for this Mm -hmm. question, actually. Yes. You know, I think that the, the financial situation, well, it is the Lord of gain, first of all. (laughs) Yes. Venus ruling the Deccan. Yeah. And it suggests that, you know, the financial things will fall in place and that they need to fall in place first. I also think because it's your nine of discs, which means that, I mean, one of the ways you symbolize the Empress on that card is the door of the heart, mm-hmm. you know, from Dalith, the, the Hebrew letter. That is the, the door, door of the house. Yeah, the, <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. The house door. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and self-employment too seems seems very important here. I mean, as part of the question, but also I think that self-employment is implicated in some ways in the nine of discs because there is a quality of self-reliance about it. I've right, in the rider. Wait, we've got that mm-hmm. woman standing there in her garden alone, exactly. you know, self-sufficient with everything exactly. she needs around her. Yeah. Um, there's something yeah. else, too, about this card in particular in my deck in that I always think of it. I've got the counting hands there, and they're counting their blessings. Yes. They've got the, the sweetness of the, the honeycomb, the hive, which is literally the bee's home, and they're counting their good fortune And so it's not just the money, it's definitely that, but it's also when they're in a position where they feel secure and they feel lucky and they know they have everything they need to move forward, then that door opens. There's also the two Bs on the card that are communicating with each other and that's kind of Mm. a networking thing. Maybe they'll get news of a home that is right for them through someone else, through, through communicating it could be. And just to throw the sort of Deccan information in there, that that is that second Deccan of Virgo. So that's September 1st through 10th. So I would just be on the lookout for something pertinent to happen then. And if it has a green front door, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, it really is a very good sign, I think. I don't, I don't think it's a particularly hasty sign. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Virgo, it's pretty meticulous. It's meticulous and you and it's going to be very much of your own making rather than a windfall, I think. That Venus in Virgo, the fallen quality of Venus in Virgo, I think does indicate to some degree that it's a solitary accomplishment, you know, but it is Venus. So, I mean, I think there's much to like about this card as a good omen. Yes, much to gain. Okie dokie. Okay, initials are ML. My question for this round is, what do I need to know about the future trajectory of my current partnership? Ooh, juicy. Huh, two of wands again. Interesting. Lusty. But also, yeah, that's that's interesting in context of partnership because it's very Marsy. It's which, very Marsy. Which can be, you know, like I said, lusty, but it can also be butting heads <laughs> as well. Right. Like it's the emperor in the tower. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but I overall, I always think of that as a positive card. So I tend it, well, to it may too. be fiery. Hopefully mm-hmm. it's in the passionate sense. Yes. Definitely opinionated people, though involved Mm -hmm. two Marses, you know? I mean, I think there's something here about, you know, the beginning of the rest of your life, again, much as it, as we said, for the the other two of wands that came up, it could be that in order to be together, you know, I'm going to say that this is a, this is the beginning of a more serious, potentially serious relationship. And I would agree just because it's an overall mm -hmm. positive card, even though it's double Mars. But it also involves the destruction of past patterns in order to start new ones, right? So it's both the tower and the emperor. The emperor creates the architecture, the structure in which the new relationship can thrive. But it also means that, you know, they're going to have to let go of any old attachments, any old patterns, whether it's living alone or exes or whatever it is. It has to be a fresh start. I mean, I do think it looks positive. And also, there's a lot of chemistry. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Middle decan of the Queen of Wands, right? Right. As far as the word trajectory goes, I would say the sky's the limit, you know, since it's the first card of the year. Right. It's definitely got that spark that's going to thrust it forward into wherever it's pointed at. Yes. All right. So I will uh, read the next one, which is from initial L. 
in a state of incarceration, will it be better for me to accept it and go internal or fight slash undermine the incarceration this year? And I'm not actually sure whether that's literal incarceration, like being imprisoned or something more figurative. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting choice of words. Right, since I mean, especially in terms of lockdown, mm. um, like, is it something to do with that? Is it is it literal or is it more mental lockdown? <laughs> is it physical or mental? Right, because incarceration, you know, we're accustomed to hearing that as a very specific technical term relating to being jailed. Being in jail, yeah, yeah, and fighting it. Or undermining. It's an interesting choice of word, undermining yeah. it, because I don't think it's literal incarceration, mm-hmm. because while you could fight that, like, say, in court or whatever, right. Right. Uh, how do you, you would know whether you were doing in, that <laughs> in incarceration. So I believe yeah. it's more figurative. Well, let's, um, I mean, Tarot, of course, will answer we'll, it we'll at answer both the levels, question, so regardless. Yep. Yeah, so go for it. Okay. The Four of Cups. Oh, that's interesting. That's also like literally the card that I say that the the womb has grown a little too small. Yes. I was wondering if we were going to get a card of cancer, actually. And lo this and behold, one's not have. only cancer, but ruled by the moon. So it's doubly cancer. Right. right in a way. Right. In yeah, a doubly, doubly it's cancer. It's very lunar. Mm-hmm. The Four of Cups is always a little, it's always a question of how to interpret it because it can go a couple of different ways. Right. But- it's comfortable... Mm-hmm. But is it too comfortable or is it about to become uncomfortable when it switches to the five or what's going on? Right. You know, and there's that meditative quality about it, which makes you kind of wonder whether the problem is that you're stagnating or whether the problem is that you have urges and desires. <laughs> yeah. Because right. either could be true. One way, because one it's way or so another, lunar, it's also got a lot to do with the emotional realm. Yeah, it's that's very interesting. I mean, one could go internal with that, but also and experience the emotions. But I'm going to go with maybe it's a kind of a, in a sense both. Mm-hmm. Like you go internal, you process those emotions, you ride that wave of emotion to its conclusion. So which is that on. eventually you move on right. to the next thing. It's not fighting it necessarily, but it is moving on from it at some point. Yes. I mean, I think the thing about this Deccan is that it's always going to move on. It's always going, that wave is going to collapse. <laughs> right. But um, it's at a little bit of a plateau right now. You know, the, it, it's it's mm-hmm. phases. It's it's the uh, fourth sephira where there's kind of like this pause before it descends the rest of the tree. Yes, absolutely. I think acceptance is a good keyword in a way for this, in, in the sense that by reflecting upon the situation, this this incarceration, whether it's physical or metaphysical, there may be a way to move through it and onward. Mm, so that was my idea yeah, as well. Yeah. And if you think about what the Rider Waite card looks like, it's that one where the, you know, you know, the Buddha like figure is sitting under the tree, you know? Yes. Um, yes. And he's contemplating the unsatisfactoriness of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, and and but that's a form of enlightenment, you know. Right. To realize that all things are unsatisfactory on some level and that you have to keep moving on anyway. Yeah, and in 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 answer to the specific question or fight slash undermine the incarceration this year, I I would say no. <laughs> it's not a right. it's not really a it's fighting. It's definitely card. not a fight card. It's it's a it's a sit back and contemplate. So it it is more of the going internal, I guess. There's a scene in Harry Potter I'm thinking of where there's like these serpent plants that that Harry and Hermione and Ron have to get through and Hermione's the only one who knows you have to relax for them to release you. Mm. <laughs> and that yeah, that's sort of very reminds me of this. Yeah. Because this is like the warm bathwater card too. You know? right. Just, <laughs> right. Just relax into it. And when it gets cold, then you'll get out. Then you'll get out. Oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Next one. So initials are A.S., What aspect of tarot will become especially important as the practice evolves in the coming years? That's interesting. I don't think it's personal, right? I think 
it doesn't say for me. Yeah, it doesn't say my practice. And I think it's this the practice. So yeah. is he talking or she talking I th- universally? I think they're talking universally. Huh? Queen of Swords. <laughs> so the logic. <laughs> the yeah. logic behind the systems in terms of mundane tarot queen, so it's yeah. both it's like marrying logic mm. with emotion the thing that comes up for me right away is is the idea of justice because i often think of the queen of swords as you know obviously she's associated with libra and adjustment justice mm-hmm. um but but the idea that tarot can be used to balance something out you know that is right that's that, that two of swords of card is all about balance and mm-hmm. then you've got the three of swords which is all about knowing yourself deeply yes yeah as well as as well as another yeah it's got both those aspects to the, th- the three of swords i'm talking which is one of her decans yeah i i almost see this as suggesting tarot will move into a more um, intellectual headspace uh, than it has been. You know, we often think of uh, since since the seventies when tarot became popular in the modern era. You know, we think of tarot kind of generally as being a very intuitive, touchy feely practice. But I think that maybe this is indicating that there's something. It reminds me of the way you know astrology has had this huge upsurge in scholarly research and. Mm. Um, well, that was my first thought when I said mm-hmm. logic, you know, yeah. it's moving into the realm of logic. Well, maybe this is just projection and hope, <laughs> but but I, I can imagine this indicating tarot gaining more acceptance in a less feelings-based and more thought-based um, sphere. Mm-hmm. It's because it's water of air, you know, those two things kind of blend together. Mm. Feelings and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next, uh, I think it's my turn to read. We have L.R. What is the most important thing I can do to move quickly toward financial independence in a way that feels safe, comfortable, and enjoyable? I'm getting a lot of messages around that I'm making my way there, but would like something to zero in on to take action. I like the way that's phrased. Princess of Cups. Wow. Not the first thing that comes to mind when you think of financial independence. (laughs) I know. Interesting. I'm going to go with the thought that just popped in, which is the um, her association with the Ace of Cups. Mm -hmm. So that's basically a lot to do with what feels good, the emotional realm. It's, a, it's, a, it's the aces are new stuff and then the princess completes that. So it's something that's definitely in the, the emotional realm that is an action to take. So what makes him or her feel one that you could just end, end it right there? What makes them feel, but I would say feel uplifted and, and renewed and positive, but that's not really an action except to notice what makes you feel that way. Yeah, one thing I that comes to mind is that princesses are like the first step in doing something, and they know? do stand alone without armor. Right, and that it will feel vulnerable, and that's okay. You know, I mean, this is water, so it's to dare, right? It's the the second mm-hmm. power of the Sphinx. Yeah. So I think that it's okay to take those first steps. For example, if you're doing, if you're trying to set up an an intuitive based business, a spiritual practice that you can charge for and make a living from, it's okay to, you know, to do that, to take those first steps. It's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to to start at the beginning. It's okay. You don't have to figure it all out at once, but it's important to begin. And I do think, oh, sorry, the Princess of Cups specialties, which are insight, uh, psychic dreaming, spiritual practice, counseling, you know, like her mom, the queen. But mm-hmm. she has those gifts. This it's, is... it's a definitely feminine energy to the card because it's, you know, it's, it's Earth of water, lunar too. and Venusian in a way. There, there's something to be said for taking those first steps and then feeling your way forward. 
Yeah, definitely there's the feeling realm emphasized Mm -hmm. above all else. Follow your heart. Yeah, that's a follow your heart card. It is. Okay, next one, I think you have the odd numbers, so. This is um, initial NP. I have tried various methods, prayer, chants, crystals, tarot, and spells, to protect my kids from someone who relentlessly attacks our family energetically, clearly well-versed in energetic manipulation, which translates to very real issues for our family the health and well-being of my kids is constantly threatened. I feel like David battling Goliath. I draw the five and ten of swords about this issue six out of seven days of the wow. week. I need a solution that would protect my family, specifically my kids, and find a way to send all that crap back to sender and its source. Wow, isn't that interesting and wow. difficult? See, so we're specifically looking for a solution to protect I need a solution that would protect my family. I'm getting the six of discs, the Lord of Success. Moon and Taurus. Yes. In a six, which is solar. So again, we've got this nice lunar-solar combination. I wonder Mm -hmm. where the other parent is at or if this person is a single parent or not. One thing that, that strikes me about this is its connection to the Hierophant. You know, because this is the middle decan of the Hierophant who corresponds to Taurus. And we also have the moon, the high priestess. So it's the high priestess and the Hierophant. And Mm, to me, those The keepers of the keys. Yeah, those two really kind of indicate being able to make use of the larger community in some way. You know, the Hierophant is a... Sometimes it could even be like reach out to your church or if you don't have a church. Yeah, or an institution. A teacher or a church person, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody who has knowledge resources that you don't. Because uh, both the high priestess, you know, with her scroll and the hierophant with his teachings and keys are sort of avatars right. of pos- access. Possessors mm-hmm. of, of higher knowledge, both of them. Right. So the thing that I get and from they this, both have contact with divinity. Yeah, they do with a higher order of some sort. Maybe the advice is don't try to do this entirely by yourself. You know, maybe there are other uh, resources you can draw on, whether they're institutions or people or mentors or teachers or counselors um, who may be able to help. It could be institutions like, you know, our, our social institutions, whether it's the courts and the, and, and, you know, if, she, if this person works for, um, an institution like a school or something like that, it could be that. But the, the other thing it might be is work in some way. You know, this is the Lord of Success. It has something, it could have something to do with something very material. Mm. Yeah, And so, you know, this has been prayer, chants, crystals, tarot, and spells, all of which are, you know, really good practices and in some ways relate to the high priestess and the hierophant. But it could also be simply more mundane things, more mundane things, having an opportunity to either, you know, take a different job or move somewhere or just shift the circumstances when the moment is right to get out of this person's power. Mm. Um, I often think of this card as having to do with the kairos, the the perfect moment, you know, the ripeness of the ground when you plant the seed. So I think this person should be looking out for an opportunity for help and Mm. to be ready to seize that when it arises. Yeah, this is definitely a card of of getting help from someone, altruism, altruistic. It's finding the right person to seek help from. Right. I would keep an eye out for that. And, you know, potentially, potentially in May, who knows, but, um, but to keep an eye out for that. The next question is from OK. And it is in May, I am moving back to Canada where I was raised but not born after 10 years of living in Europe. I haven't even visited since 2012. I'm also moving to a part of the country that is new to me and my partner and child who have never been to Canada are coming too. What should I know about the first few months of moving back? 
lot of uncertainty there. Princess of Swords. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Networking? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah. You know, I always think of her as the keeper of the magical task list. One thing that's going to happen, there's going to be a ton of logistics. <laughs> yeah. First of all, it's it's going to be busy. Yeah, she's flitting around like a social butterfly, but more focused um, on getting things done. Yes. I, I think it's going to be really important to get the infrastructure of your lives in place first. So making sure that that your utilities are in order, that your kid is in the school system properly registered, you know, that the paperwork for whatever kind of citizenship or visitor status you have is done. All the like boring <laughs> but incredibly right. and, important and getting stuff. clarity on all those things the, the, you know mm-hmm. the, the the ace of swords and the princess of swords are all about like clearing the air and getting everything very clear <laughs> yes and and it's a reminder you know just like that other princess that we saw that these are the first steps you have to take in order to build a solid foundation for yourselves and it's an emphasis less on the, you know, sort of material, concrete, let's get the contractors in to fix the house kind of thing, and more on the legal structures, the policies that support your presence there, those kinds of things. You know, I mean, I think it's it's very, very normal to have to worry about that moving to a new country. There can maybe be a little elements of conflict. I don't see them as being like huge problems Mm -hmm. just because everybody's, you know, the whole family is trying to acclimate to something totally new. You know, and the thing about the Princess of Swords is that it can be pretty frustrating to deal with, (laughs) you know, just because there's so much and it does have that slightly sort of like, when am I ever going to be done with this feeling to it? As a frustration sometimes, but it centers around that fixed air quadrant, you know. So if you just persist and continue working away at it, you right. know, working the systems, it it's will work It's a lot of out. mental work. It's a lot of mental work, yeah. All right, next one. Let's see, initials are L-O. What should I focus on regarding my magical slash spiritual path this year? Maybe helpful for you to know that I'm working with ceremonial magic since last year and studying Thoth and Kabbalah. Hmm. So many aspects that interest me, but I can't focus on everything at once. So it would be helpful to get an idea where to direct my focus and energy. Oh, ain't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Story of my life. Oh, look, death. Wow. The The deep stuff. Yeah, it is the deep stuff. I mean, one thing that that does come to mind is maybe, you know, actual ancestor work could be working with the dead. I mean, I really think the ancestor thing is jumping out at me. But the other thing that comes to mind is initiation, you know, working in an initiatic tradition where there's the death of the self, the symbolic death of the self. And I was just about to say something very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So either of those could work depending on which is sort of more, more up your alley or kind of on the agenda, I think. There's also kind of a shamanic death, mm. you know, that mm-hmm. can happen with you know, these types of practices, kind of like an ego death. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely something about penetrating, you know, the mysteries and going deep dive. I would suggest sort of uh, generally that this is not a casual study of anything. <laughs> right. No, definitely not casual. This is like, you know, if Scorpio there... Scorpio is not a casual sign. Right. If there's something that you have been hesitating whether to commit deeply to, whether it's a, you know, serious, intensive course of study or a, a months-long initiation, right, or something like that, you know, this card suggests that it is the time for that. Yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting. And yeah, and also, you know, the the transformation aspects of death are... I was trying to avoid saying that. (laughs) I know, I know, it's so obvious. But it is, you know, the pursuit of the higher self at some level, going from uh, snake to scorpion to eagle. Fascinating. Yeah, there's something there too, like if the the path is connected to Tefaret, you know, the the heart center, the the solar center, the, the will center, the 
higher guardian angel. So if they're into that type of practice where they want to connect with the holy guardian angel, that I could see that as death being a, a process that gets you there. Mm-hmm. Not literal death. Not literal <laughs> death. Right. Right. Pretty interesting, though. Calls for bold moves. Okay, last one for episode one of Patron Readings, looks like. It is from JJ, and the question is, what type of work would I be most successful in? The Fool. Ha! Wow! How about that? Wow, we've gotten some really large cards here. I know. Amazing. So So that's air. Mm -hmm. So uh, communication comes to mind. And something, there's something very inventive to me about the fool. Very playful. Like Uranian, like Mm -hmm. like very futuristic and new. Something that's forward looking and uncertain in a way. Something where people don't know what's going to happen next. There's something about being on the kind of literal cutting edge of things. Um, Right. It could be anything from, you know, space, (laughs) aviation and space to to computer, you know, technologies of some sort or artificial intelligence or. Oh, I like that. Something something cutting edge. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, and also it might be something online, too. I don't know. Just because it's air. I sometimes get that feeling. Exactly. Air. Yeah. The ether. The ether aspect, it could definitely be a computer-based... Um, yeah, a virtual career. in some way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something very mask-like about the fool, about the avatar of the fool that is, you know, it's empty in some ways. So there's there's something about being able to shift identity fluidly. Right. You could literally be anything. Kind of. You could that literally that's, that's be not anything. Yeah. Helpful for the question, really. <laughs> but it is kind of true with the fool that it's it's everything and nothing at once. Yeah. And the other thing that comes to mind to me is that as you're looking for a job, don't limit yourself. You know, don't say to yourself, "I can't do this because I don't know enough or jump I don't have right the in. skills." Yeah. Right. Because definitely a jump right in. Card. Your your plasticity is an asset here. You know, Mm. the fact that you don't come with preconceptions, that's a selling point (laughs) for whatever it is that you're going into. Go to the work that most excites you and that you can imagine, you know, being interested in learning about as a person who doesn't necessarily know anything about it. And maybe go to the one that feels like the biggest leap in a way. Yes. Yes, that's right. Easy to say. (laughs) I know. I know. Right. But I agree. Okay, so go ahead. The next question is for initial D. Where should I focus my energy over the summer months? Yeah, I'll take this. Oh, look, it's Queen of Wands. How about that? All right. So... Yeah, that's got a nice summery energy to it. It does. And you know what it could be? I'm just thinking that, you know, maybe we'll all be vaccinated by then. (laughs) And maybe we can reconnect with our friends. (laughs) Yeah, that's a possibility. Do you remember having friends? (laughs) I once had friends. (laughs) It's so weird, isn't it? It is. It's so strange how this became normal, the new sucky normal. I do think there's something in here about rediscovering the that initiative and drive to reach out and do things. Queen of Wands, I think of her as being a, a passionate individual. So whether mm-hmm. this is a, there could be a focus on a, a passion of sorts, something that you're really into, or maybe even a relationship. Mm. Yeah, but there's definitely something social about it. You know, I mean, something about making connections between yourself and and others, because it's the connectivity of water with the energy and impetus of fire. Yeah. And she's got, again, you know, in a way we're bringing back in the two of wands because she's got those two Aries decans, the two and three of wands, Mm -hmm. that kind of spring energy, that uh, impetus to grow something new. To plant a seed and grow something new in a way, mm-hmm. have some sort of new beginning like we talked about in the two of other people that got the two of wands. Right, right. There's definitely something new here and it could well be a relationship. I don't know. I'm kind of getting that feeling a little bit. Yeah, it could be. It's definitely um, something that one is passionate about. 
Yes, all fired up. <laughs> yeah, fired up and ready to go. Yeah. Some Shakti energy to the Queen of Wands. You For know. sure. All right. So that concludes the first half of our patron readings. And we will be back in two weeks with the second half. If you haven't heard your question yet, you will. Uh, just tune in in a fortnight and we'll give you the answers you're looking for. See you then. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you appreciate what Mel and I have done here at fortunes wheelhouse, please consider leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on iTunes, Apple podcasts, or Google play. And if you'd like to support the making of this podcast and gain access to all the member perks that come with that, please consider becoming a patron at any level you like by visiting www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. You can also explore fortunes wheelhouse gear like t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, and more by checking out our red bubble shop. That's at www.redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse 93 slash shop. Mel's beautiful books, decks, and prints can be found at tarotcart.com. And my book, Tarot Cases, Astrological Perfumes, and Online Tarot Class can be found at tsusanchang.com. Treat yourself to the tarot gift you've always wanted, because you are a hero of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.